it's just past seven o'clock and here we are another action-packed edition of ira on sports this is the true oldies channel i'm mike balsamo i'm excited for tonight's show ira it's going to be a good one and don't you start it's a little bit of a different feel you know that kind of lull between march madness and now uh, baseball starts, and that's great, but now we've got two separate playoff series going on at the same time, so it's must-see TV basically every single night from 6 p.m. to 2 in the morning. Well, I know you're the huge hockey fan. I'm the huge NBA fan. I've been watching. I was at uh, the Florida Panthers game on Monday. I took my mom there, which is exciting to go there, <laughs> and that was great for playoff game, and nothing's better than playoff hockey. And then the NBA, I, I mean, I just love the series. Remember, these teams, it's, it's so much different than, like, the NFL in terms of there is, you have to win four Four series to be champions. Four separate ones at mm. seven games apiece. So it is... I somehow wish it was only like a three, like it, there was less teams in. I think to win three would be it. I think that this first round is a little too much. There's too many mm-hmm. games on. But I just so I love it. And I like the fact that it's so wide open uh, with the NBA. And I'm pumped. I mean, I love watching basketball. I love the NBA. So it's like, to me, every night. And the Heat and the Heat and Bucks are in this great series right now. It, it is definitely pretty wide open, especially after we've seen just a few games, um, few games so far. But it looks like there's really a lot of teams in both conferences that could win this. Correct. And I think... Look, a lot of people to say Brooklyn Nets, they look fantastic. I'm, I was shocked when I'm looking at the Nets. I'm like, wow, three the three big stars, Irving, Harden, Durant, they got through the game healthy. Like they they're back for the next game. Like I mean, I expect the injuries to pile up with that team. I am not sold on the Nets going through. They might get through this first round, but I think this is it. This is I. They were not. I do not see the Nets beating uh, the Sixers or the Bucks. I mean, I mean the, the Heat or the Bucks in the next round. So, um, but the point is, a lot of people say, oh no, they're they're going to win. They're guaranteed. It. This is. You could almost in the West, and the way that Memphis is playing, I mean, I know this sounds insane, but they've won. They've damn won at Golden State. Uh, they won at Utah, and they won their play in a game against San Antonio. So they've won three in a row in these playoffs. Uh, they're playing great. Who knows what's going to happen? And you have these teams like the Lakers and the Clippers that don't seem that interested in playing. And everyone's saying, oh, the, 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 if they're going to play like this, they're going to lose. It's uh, it, it's going to be some interesting series, and we'll keep you updated on that uh, on that Heat Bucks game, which starts in just about twenty five minutes. Um, so you, you already said where you were. You got to take in a hockey game. I didn't know you'd never been to, the, to a hockey game at the BB&T Center. It's really a great place to see, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Right. I can't wait to talk about it. It's my first time there. It's very similar to American Airlines Arena. They were built the exact same time, uh, like a, a year apart. Uh, and But there's a lot of differences and similarities. I think the one thing I would say is it is one of the easiest arenas I've ever gone into. There's nothing around it. There's plenty of parking. Yeah. I got there early, uh, but the atmosphere was great. And But very similar to uh, the where the Heat played at the American Airlines Arena. So I think what everyone's talking about today is the oldest major winner of all time, Phil Mickelson. What an amazing, amazing uh, four days of golf from him. And I think you're a little bit um, upset about the fact that you didn't try to go. Well, I... I, I have to admit, I was rooting for him not to win, even though I love <laughs> Phil and I think he's great. It's like it's one of those things where I, I thought you're you're watching him, and I was. It's very hard to go to this tournament. I talked to a lot of people. There's no hotels anywhere near Kiowa Island, uh, and it is. It was just difficult to go. The traffic I heard was terrible. All these things, just excuses that I've gone to things that have been difficult. But the point <laughs> is, is that you, he was a 201 favorite to go in this, and I have been on the Phil bandwagon all summer. Like at the Honda Classic, I was following. I'm telling everybody, bet him, bet him, bet him. I must have told people to bet Phil like five different tournaments. But I finally got off the bandwagon. I mean, since September, the Safeway Open, he was 44th. The U.S. Open, he missed the cut. The Zozo at Sherwood, 76. Houston Open, missed the cut. The Masters, he shot a 69 and 70. So you're like, wow, he's shooting great. But then he shot in a 79 and 73, 55th. 
American Express missed the cut. Farmers, 53rd. Then he was in a Champions Tour event, 50 and over, 20th place. <laughs> Crazy. Then Pebble Beach, where he's won. I told everyone, I had, I think I had a buddy of mine. I said, this is, a, this is, he was like 100 to 1 to this tournament. I go, he's won this three times. He won this two years ago. When he's playing bad, he'll come back and win this. He missed the cut at a tournament that he's just perfect for and played. Then the Players' Championship, he played a little better, 35th. Then the Honda, we followed him at the Honda, 25th, he played better. You're like thinking, okay, at the Honda, let's see how he does the rest of it. He comes after the Honda, goes to the Valero, Texas, which was a bad field, missed the cut on that one. Then the Masters, again, the Masters are weird. He's so, it just, it's almost like he should tear up ATM any time in the Masters and be like in the top like 40 because he's left handed and it's just, it fits his game. And then he goes to the Valspar and, and, he, and he misses the cut there. And then, then, and then the Wells Fargo last week, or a week out last week, he shot a 64 first day. You're like, oh, okay, Phil, this is it. He's back. Then he shoots a 75, a 76, and a 76, finished in 70th place. Where did this come from? And then, so this, so we're looking at this, to, to this, he shoots, you know, he led wire to wire. For the PGA, yep. and I'm just waiting. 70, 69. When is the 78? When is the 79? When is the 80? And it just didn't come. And I think a lot of reasons is he he said, "Look, I'm playing." He kept telling everybody, "Look, everyone was pushing him to the senior tour." We even said potentially, you know, maybe the time for the senior tour mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Now he didn't play any worse. He was ranked 130th in the world. He didn't call, you know, all those. He had to get a, 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 a exemption to the U.S. Open. But the point is, he kept saying, "I'm playing better. I, I feel it. I feel it." And we're like, "I don't know. You just shot a." You're, you're playing these other tournaments and not playing well at all. And it's not even injury. You could say it was injury because he's been play, he played more than almost <laughs> any other golfer. But for him to come in and just, but nobody pressed him. And I think that was the story I took was that he was there and nobody came up and took him. And the only one who said, okay, I'm going to challenge him is Brooks Kepka, who was play, had surgery a month and a half ago on his knee and is just out there trying on one leg, playing great. Like I thought Brooks did great finishing in second place. But if you look at where the rest of the field is, Louis Olshaw, and four under, who really was in the mix a little bit, but not, but not yeah, so kinda. much. Yeah, <laughs> kind But then when Padraig Harrington, who we love because he's been on our show, but he's 49 years old. He's ranked 257 in the world, and he finishes fourth in this tournament. Um, the, the, the top American besides Brooke is Harry Higgs. This is the first major championship that Harry Higgs has ever played. He's ranked 154th in the world. He's 30 years old. His, he, he played on the PGA Tour Latin America. And the last tournament he won was the Diners Club Peru Open. And he finishes it. And the idea is, what I'm, what I'm saying with this is that where are the big names that challenge it? Phil did not. We were waiting for Phil to make those mistakes. The double bogeys, the triple bogeys, in the water, whatever. But there was no one pressing him. And I, I know he didn't look at the scoreboards and things like that. But it wasn't that. I think if someone got ahead of Phil and he was at, at, at you know, at the beginning of the uh, on Sunday, Phil was dropped. He bogeyed the first hole. Brooks birdied and went up, a, went up a shot on him. And then he came. But Phil bounced back. And it, many times, when after Phil bogeyed, he, he he did the birdie on the bounce back. But then when Brooks double bogeyed number number the second hole, went down to five. It was like Phil sort of coasted in the rest of the way. Nobody took the lead from him. Nobody tied him up. The pressure wasn't on him. Now I'm saying, look, he's been through so much. But he's for someone who's blown. I mean, this is six major. He probably could have won nine or ten if he played more conservatively. Maybe he's learned to play a little bit more conservatively. But again, he hit the ball in the water on uh, on, uh, on 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 thirteen, and then he bogeyed on fourteen. He went back to back from a from a bo- you know from a bogey on thirteen when he hit the water it was great that it didn't make that a double. And then fourteen, you know, another bogey when he literally almost whiffed a putt. I mean, he was putting the ball and he <laughs> hardly hit it. Uh, but again, it was just he st- he was like three strokes ahead, four strokes ahead. Nobody pressured him, and that that's my takeaway. And my takeaway of this is Tiger Woods. If Tiger Woods, and I, I say, what are you talking about Tiger Woods? 
Tiger Woods is 44 years old. And if he didn't have this last car accident, people said, well, this game, these young guns, there's no way he competes. There's just no way. It's too far. Tiger Woods, I, I, how many? I mean, if this is what if this is what the challenge they're going to give, and it's great that Phil won, and I think he's phenomenal. Phil's a great golfer, but if Phil can do this, I don't know why Tiger could not have pulled out a major like this anytime. These the big names did not want to challenge him. When, when when your competition is Patty Harrington and Shane Lowry and Harry Higgs, I mean, and a Brooks Kepka who's playing on one leg. That again, this is where is where are the big names that are challenging that we're waiting for this to happen, and and they just not only did they. Not not, they weren't even contention the mm. whole weekend. It's an interesting point that you brought up. By the way, it's Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. I forgot to mention we'll have uh, Kenzie Maloney joining us a little bit uh, later in the show. Um, excellent college athlete. So you said something to me before we went on air. This is a sad state of affairs for the top 10, maybe even top 20 in the world right now, Ira, that it's becoming a habit that we're not seeing these guys that are ranked number one, number two, number three, number four in the world challenging at, at majors. John Rahm, I mean, we're again, we're, he's number one in the, he was number one in the world. He's now number two, three, bouncing around to that. It's like, where is he on this now? It's nice. Now, it, how long do you want to go to be the best player to never win a major? Like, there's a point mm -hmm. where you've got to be and in contention. Ten, yeah, and his game is perfect for this. And he just, the whole weekend, I mean, he finished, look, he finished in the top ten. He finished eighth, but he was one under, nobody's name wasn't ever mentioned there. Tony Finau, Tony Finau is Mr. Top 10. I'm just going to call him Mr. Top 10 because he's top 10 in everything, but he doesn't hasn't won a tournament. And uh, I got to give credit now, like, you know, someone like Ricky Fowler. Good for him. He played great. Ricky Fowler uh, finished at eighth, uh, tied for eighth, one under, had a great Sunday, really came on. I mean, what a performance by Fowler. Finally, after, you know, dropping out of, you know, this has to give him confidence to come. And then uh, Will Sakaris, who we saw the, from the Masters, he was one under. Morikawa was one under. Colin Marker, who won the tournament last year. So as these younger players, that was great for them. But, I, I, you know, John Rahm did not make the pressure on him. Jordan Spieth played well, but, you know, it's again... Spieth was in this mix at two under going in the day. You're like he has, the, you know, to even like he has this chance to go uh, to maybe put some pressure. It was even going into the day, and he just, you know, shot a 74. Like he didn't shoot the 66 that Spieth could do. You're just waiting for him to put that put that pressure on. Gary Woodland shot a 77, um, and, and then but the key players that you have to talk about. Bryson DeChambeau, who talks about how these courses are so easy to him. <laughs> I mean, he this is the longest course by 100 yards that's ever been played on the PGA Tour. The longest course. And he's fifth in the world, and he shoots a 77 on Sunday. He finished a three over par, 38th place. Bryson, you got to do better than that. And Rory McIlroy, and he was the second favorite. Rory, the favorite to win this tournament, shoots 75, 72, 74, 72. He was seventh in the world, and he had won the tournament well at the Wells Fargo last week. He'd won this tournament by eight strokes the last time they played in eight years ago, and he finished 49th. So you have 38th from Bryson, 49th from Rory. Just, I mean, it's just they didn't, they never put pressure on Phil. And then, how about the number one, two, and six players in the world? Dustin Johnson now is the first player to be number one and missed two major cuts in Greg Norman in 1977, That's which crazy. is like 23 years ago. And Justin Thomas, who I predicted, I mean, I keep. He's going to win this tournament, and he misses the cut. And then Xander Softley, who was like, and these were all, if you talk betting-wise, top three, four, five betters. Oh, yeah. I know people say, oh, I know that he wasn't going to win. But look, if Vegas puts him as bets, you see where the money's coming in. It's like a horse. I mean, the people are betting these people. I mean, it's not like it's not like I'm making it up. You know, like <laughs> Shoffley, Justin Thomas, and Justin Johnson should win these, should be in the, but they don't even make the cut. Like, again, I just think it's one thing, like Tiger was able to win so much because even, first of all, Tiger always made the cut. So he made sure he 
he made the cut. And then he made sure that on Saturday, at least he was somehow either could take the lead or be in contention. And even when he lost, because, you know, he didn't always win every tournament or every major he entered. But the point is, this: it seemed like he was in contention every single tournament. And the point is, he put himself in those. And when you put yourself in, then other people fall down. And that's how you win 15 majors. And I think that's what is shocking by this is, you, first of all, for Shoffley, JT, and Dustin Johnson, look, I know it's hard. It's, it's a major champion. All this stuff. But you got to make the cut first. And then yeah. you got to put yourself in and then then play good on Saturday, play well enough on Saturday to be in sort of a mix like this. And that's why Phil Phil was able to coast. He literally coasted. I mean, on Saturday, he had, it was 10 and 5 over, and then he had a double bogey and another. I mean, he had points where he was faltering, but he just just never, no one put that pressure on him that we saw like at the Masters when four people were tied at the same thing. And it was it was close like that. It, it just, there was never the pressure, I think. Uh, I If I had bet, Sunday morning, I would have bet Brooks Kepka. Just thinking, if anyone's going to do it, we've seen Brooks on Sunday. So I will give Phil credit in that sense that he did enough to win. I mean, it wasn't spectacular, and Brooks didn't play great. But that, like you said, that was the only guy who was going to challenge him. But if I was Phil, I would have been really nervous about Brooks. Yeah, and I think, well, people talk about, well, this is so crazy. And look, we saw Phil at the uh, – I, I saw Phil at the Honda, and he was – playing you know there were there were there, there he had like three or four birdies in a row uh he drives the ball as far as anybody else was out there his putting he reads green so well i i told you i saw him at the oakmont and uh, he came that one time when he had to go to his child's graduation and uh and he was late coming for preparation so he showed up on wednesday before the u.s open and i was out there like at six seven at night and he's there just putting on these holes again and again and again the only one out there like learning how to read and his reading the greens and all those things are his benefit so look and he just said look i just i i I, he's one of his comments he made before was he says i'm i lose i'm losing concentration i lose concentration for some reason and maybe the fans back the the huge galleries that you finally had that's somehow bringing that back and and maybe someone who's played he's 50 years old he's been playing in front of fans for 30 years, I mean, forever. And 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 he's been the superstar in the sport. Maybe that fans being back has got him to focus, brought the concentration level back. And But then somehow he was able to avoid making the horrendous mistakes to double the triple bogeys that has doomed him before. It's 718, Ira on Sports. This is the True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Let's head over to the NBA. And Ira, the series that I was most looking forward to is, of course, our Miami Heat versus the Milwaukee Bucks. I know that... Well, you have to assume that in Milwaukee and in that locker room, they did not want to see the Heat in the first round, especially after getting knocked out by them last year. Really excited about this series, and the Heat just didn't have enough to beat uh, Milwaukee uh, in Game 1. It's... uh one of the most insane games. Now they're going to start off. They're going to tee off. Or tee off. They're going <laughs> to tip off. That's in 12 minutes right here. Can't wait to run home and, and watch this game. But it's frustrating. It's really, it's like there's a seven game series, but I think you have to win. Like if there's a game to win, you got to win it. And this is a game that they shot. The Heat shot 20 for 50 from three point line. The Bucks shot five for 31 and, uh, and still lost five for 31. That's and that's what the, I mean, it's, I, I looked at the static. I didn't make sense over the last minute of six of regulation. Uh, Giannis was two for five in the line had a 10 second violation where he didn't get the shot off at the foul. And people said people were mad at the Heat for pointing that out. Well, everybody knows that Giannis 
Solanas take goes up to the 10 second line all the time. So what for the Heat to bring it up? Those are rules. I mean, I think getting yeah. all these rules, unwritten rules, we'll talk about Tony LaRusa. It's the rule. I mean, they'll call it on the 10 I've seen it called. It's not like impossible that it wouldn't be called. And, uh, and and people bring it up all the time. And then Jimmy Butler, so finally you play terrible. Jimmy Butler ties it up. So now so you, you tie it up in, at the end of regulation which with a great shot. But then into overtime, uh, Drogic hits a three to, to, to tie it. And then Chris Middleton, and I listened to this, Max Kellerman, and they're like, Chris Middleton, he's just never a good number two, this and this. Came in and hit that crowd. He's hit, he, it was a big shot time shot. He's a great shooter. And it was a game they needed to win. I mean, it, it, the difference of this Bucks team is Drew Holiday. He was 9 for 18. He didn't make any threes, 0 for 5, 20 points. But last year, if you remember, Eric Bledsoe played in that position. Eric Bledsoe was terrible. They were benching him. And I think that's a difference. And I and I think Brooke Lopez is playing better. Dante DeVenzio. And then uh, uh, P.J. Tucker, they took from Houston. Portis. It seems like their bench is shorter but better. But again, I just, I mean, Jimmy Butler was 4 for 22. Four for 22, yeah. and Bam was four for 15. And the only people, and, and Tyrell Hero was two for 10, two for 10. I mean, uh, Duncan Robinson had seven threes. Drodrick had five threes. But these, I'm t- if, if you're going to get four, for, the, the Heat are going to get swept if, if Butler keeps shooting four for 22. But even with, with all that, they couldn't, it's like one of those games where I think it was there for them, and they, they just couldn't do it. I agree. It was one of those that you look back on, and if you do lose the series, it's like, man, that game one really set us back. So me and you are in, in agreement here that we would love nothing more for the Nets to get knocked out here by Boston. I just don't think they're, they're, they've got any shot here, uh, you know, down a man and all. I don't like Boston doesn't have Jalen Brown. Boston hasn't played well this year, and I think if Jalen Brown was there, it would be something. I mean, they were up 53 47 at halftime, but then the Nets went out to an 18 4 to run to start. And Kemba Walker, everybody's been cra- you know, criticizing him with point guard for the Boston Celtics. Just another 5 for 16 terrible game. It's, and Durant scored 32, Kyrie 29, and uh, Harden scored 21 with eight. Eight, eight assistant. I mean, it seems like that Kyrie shoots all the time, Durant shoots like all the time, and that Harden's the one who's not is not shooting as much. I mean, they're only eight for thirty-four from threes. But I, again, I would I want Tatum. I mean, at fifty points in the playing game, I want something from the Celtics. And I just bet you're right. I I think the Nets. I hope if watch the Nets sweep this, but I do think the Bucks and the Heat will both beat the Nets. Like I really, the winner of the Bucks Nets the Bucks Heat series will beat the Nets, and everyone's now talking. Oh, the Nets are unbeatable. They're so great. They're so amazing. No. But I mean, they're they're happy that their defense. They gave like oh, we gave ninety three to Boston. Well, Boston has trouble scoring a lot anyway. So yeah, um, so a lot of like people thought it was like a sexy pick to take the Wizards over the Sixers in this first round series. I, I wouldn't go that far, but I'm also not anointing the 76ers into the uh, into the finals like some people are. Well, I no, but I, 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 still, I still think the Wizards can do this. Like, I wish they had another player, but you have Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Beal had 33 points, but only one for six from three. And Westbrook, just an average game. But it's like one of those games where it was close and then the Sixers just came away in the fourth quarter. But even at the end, Ben Simmons, he is... It's maddening to think how he was 0 for 6. He makes $35 million a year. He was 0 for 6 in the five line. He's the point guard of the team. Not Shaquille O'Neal. He's a point guard. Mm -hmm. He was 0 for 6, and he missed two free throws with 37 seconds left in the game. Almost blew the entire game. Now, Tobias Harris, 37 points. Just tremendous. I mean, that's Tobias Harris was missing in the last couple of playoffs for the Sixers. But if he can score those, if he can be that third or the whatever, he's going to have to score because Simmons doesn't score, then that's going to be the difference. But um, the Sixers did his last smart thing. They brought this. Thibault guy in for their on their team who's a defensive 
stopper. He when I was on Beal there in the second half. I like the Wizards. I want to see Beal and Westbrook. Like I think Beal can score 50. I think Westbrook can have 40 points, 20 rebounds, 20 assists. I really want to see them. Uh, so I'm excited. I still think the Wizards can win the series. Uh, but uh, that was the first game was was that one. Well, thing. they're definitely a more fun team to watch. I, you know, I enjoy watching Westbrook for you know for better or for worse. It's exciting basketball seeing him take over. Well, he pressures and he makes Simmons play, Simmons play defense. Like when he when the the Wizards like to pressure and and Westbrook drives and why they're he's a perfect complement to Beal is when he drives crazily to the basket. Beal's going to be wide open and yeah. they, and that's why they Beal. But that's why Beal's got to you're going if they're going to win you're going to see Beal like six for twelve from the three point line or seven for fourteen. It has to be something like that. It can't be one for six. So I'd say yesterday was probably the most excited I've been for a Knicks game <laughs> in thirty years. Ira. Well, eight years they haven't played a game for eight years. No, the most excited I've been oh, now okay. about a team probably going back to the mid nineties. So. It was a good game. Knicks didn't do enough. Julius Randle, who you know is going to probably win some awards, even get some MVP votes. Well, he's not, but uh, should have got some MVP votes. Just they didn't do enough, and they let Trey Young kind of walk all over him at the end. S- similar to where Trey Young hits the shot to win the game, Rose tied. Young made two free throws for the Hawks. Uh, Rose tied it. Derek Rose tied it with 9.8 seconds, and then Young came down and made a layup. And then the Knicks didn't really get a shot out. Very similar to the to the Heat game, and the fact that the Knicks played terrible. Some of their star players. Didn't play well. Joseph Randall was was just plain awful. Now remember, Randall was six for twenty three, had fifteen points. He's had two forty point games against the Hawks. Crazy. So he, he really was totally out of it. So you're like the Knicks playing this terrible game, uh, but they still lose that game, and they lost it at home with all that fan with all the excitement. I I've watched the Hawks play a lot this year because I have like a zillion of these players on my fantasy team, and Trey Young is a, is a He's just, I mean, he was part of the, we're going to talk about Luka Doncic with the Mavericks, and he was in that trade back and forth between between uh, Luka where Dallas drafted actually up to pick him, and then the Hawks went backwards to take Trey Young. But uh, 32 points, 10 assists. Uh, just, it's one of those things I still think, like, I think the Hawks are going to win this. I think it's going to be, like, easily 4-1. I, I'm not sold on the Knicks, but we'll see. I mean, I, the, the fact that Derrick Rose played, I mean, this is amazing. You talk about a reclamation problem. I mean, Derek Rose was thought, thought was out of the league, and now he was the best Nick on the on the court last yesterday. And a lot of games this season he was too. And I was against the trade when it happened. I didn't want them bringing him back in. I thought it would stunt Emmanuel Quickly's development. Hasn't been the case at all. If anything, it's helped. Um, I, I didn't like. I didn't think Trey Young was going to translate to the NBA, Ira. But obviously, this guy is a force to be reckoned with. He's a force. He's so small, and I think that's the one thing. And he, but he, it's just the Hawks have so many different players. Bogdanovich drains threes. Utah has a Bogdanovich also. So you might say, how can someone play? Yeah. But they're not even related to each other, named Bogdanovich. And he was draining threes. But, I mean, R.J. Barrett played how R.J. Barrett did, 14 points. But Alex Burks comes off the bench. He 27 points. He is. He only played 28 minutes. Yep. He's amazing. He's great. And if they can just get Randall scoring. So if you're a Knicks fan, you're like, boy, Randall had the worst game he's had in, like, three months. And we only lost by two points. So you're happy about that. But I don't. I think the Hawks can still play better. Uh I just love all these series. Like I just, I mean, I could you could I could make the case for all these teams, really. Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel at seven twenty six. I'm Mike Balsamo. Kenzie Maloney joins us at about uh, seven fifty or so. So let's talk about the West, and we could start with the with the play in game because we have some interesting play in games over there. Well, the Lakers. I mean, Curry. Uh, the the Lakers Warriors. I think was one of the was was by far the highest rated uh, basketball game this year uh, in terms of the play in game. And LeBron again. Why? I love Steph Curry, and and he played so well. He had uh, 37 points in the game. LeBron only. LeBron had a triple double, 22, 11, and 10. But at the end of the game, 
uh, the the Lakers were passing the ball around. It's a total mess. And LeBron was uh, Kendall Caldwell Pope tried to drive, was caught. And I don't know why Steph Curry left LeBron. Like LeBron, you don't think he's a clutch player, but I've seen him make. He takes enough shots to make clutch shots, and he drained a thirty-five foot three at the yeah. end of the game. And I'm like, you don't leave LeBron. Like you could never. I don't care if LeBron is a hundred feet away from the basket. <laughs> That's the one player. And I felt bad that Steph. So LeBron shoots over in that game. And I remember that Kyrie Irving shot over him when they won the championship. And I, Steph is just uh, now he's and then so they didn't play well and then they uh, they play then they play Memphis played the Warriors for the final that final they see and Memphis upsets the Warriors. Yeah. John so, Moran played great. John Moran played great and they went in overtime. Grayson Allen, Dylan Brooks and and Curry played well, but they just couldn't get him the ball. And it was like in, in the overtime win. It, these Memphis Grizzlies, no one knows who these play besides John Moran. Nobody can name a Grizzly, but they are they play hard. They play with passion. And Dylan Brooks is is, is just playing. Great, and it was. And that now the Warriors are out of the playoffs, and that's just a shock that that Curry couldn't at least get in. And that's it, look, that's when they have these playing games. Otherwise, they'd be the A seed against Utah. And if they were, say, were they they're the A seed against Utah? Maybe they would have a chance because Utah didn't have Donovan Mitchell. So. To, it's a, it's a, it, but I got to give Memphis credit because Memphis goes and uh, go went into Golden State and beat Golden State. Let's talk about the uh, Lakers and Suns, Ira, because Lakers are another team just like the Nets, which I'm not going to be mad at all if they get bumped out here in the first round. And the Suns might be the team to do it. But DeAndre Ayton was the number one pick two years ago. People thought a bust, but he had, he's just someone who improves. A lot of these players that get drafted when they're 18, 19 years yeah. old, and they just improve. And like Julius Randle, people think, I mean, they get better. Like, yeah. just don't <laughs> give up on these players. He had 21 points, 16 rebounds. We're seeing that Devin Booker is a star. I mean, there's a there's a question of what he is, and if you don't know who Devin Booker is, he's the star of everything for Phoenix. Uh, he had 34 points, three for seven from threes, uh, and that was the key. And it was just one of those games that Chris Paul, the fact that Chris Paul, like Chris Paul, he plays on the Suns, like people don't even know that. Like, if you're just turning the NBA on, like, wasn't he on Golden Coco the city was he on the Clippers like where is Chris Paul was he on the Rockets but he's on the Suns and I think that's the difference he got hurt in the second quarter people thought oh my gosh he hurt his shoulder because they had to crack he came back in the game but if the Suns most teams like the Suns they beat the Lakers in game one now remember they have the home court but they beat the Lakers in game one celebrate I don't think he's going to let them he's been through enough of these series to know he's that he needs this to win and you have Jay Crowder on that team too so you have these veterans that are going to say no, no 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 let's not get so excited and look we've seen this before from the Lakers. They lose. Last year, they lost two game ones. But boy, Anthony Davis was just listless. Five for 16, 13.7 boards. LeBron had 18 points. The, for three quarters, LeBron was like trying to get everyone else involved. Nobody else got involved. It was a weird type of game. And they just, and the Suns run. The Suns, they run. They have, and the Lakers have this great size that they can't, they don't know how to use it. They have Drummond and Drummond only played 18 minutes. I mean, they could literally start their whole team at six, eight and above, and they couldn't take advantage of it. And they were one of the top defensive teams in the league this year, and now they seem baffled by a Suns team that has done a very good job scoring. Right, and I think that, so, I mean, it's just, I mean, the Lakers shot seven for 26 for the three, and if they can't learn how to, they can't learn. If they, can't, if they don't shoot well from the threes, but they're, supposedly, we kept saying, well, if the Lakers are healthy, another thing could be they're just not, they're not, they're not in sync, just like the Clippers. They haven't played as a team together. Everybody's been hurt. They finally come together, and you have these teams like the Suns that have been sort of healthy almost the whole year playing at a high level. So... One of my regrets uh, this postseason is going to be not throwing a little bit of money on Portland to to win it all, or at least get to the uh, Western Conference. Uh, you know, represent the West in, in the finals. Portland looks good. <laughs> It seems like every year, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, they're in the mix, but they just get beat by some other team. And, and I think that people are sleeping on Portland, the sixth seed, and the mistake they're making is they think, 
Lillard McCollum, Lillard McCollum. This year, their supporting cast is so much better. Norman Powell was brought in from the Toronto Raptors uh, for Gary Trent. Norman Powell was the one who helped the Raptors win the title over the Golden State Warriors. So he is like that, another a key component. Carmelo Anthony is playing at a very high level. And Robert Covington on defense is playing great. And one of the key things is Nursik, their center. It was, he was hurt last year yeah. and the year before. He's healthy and playing well. So they only go like 7-8 deep. But Denver, without Jamal Murray, their star point guard, uh, it's just... It's, they, they, they're, they're, they're relying on Jokic, who's going to be the MVP. Jokic had 34 points, 16 boards, but only one assist. Their whole point is, this is someone, you're saying center, one assist. Who, who cares about a center having one <laughs> assist? But the point is, he's averaging eight or nine assists a game. He's key. They run their offense through him. And they said, look, you can shoot all you want. You're going to score, but they're not going to let him pass and drain threes. But I think they're, they're, they have no guards. The guards are Austin Rivers, Compasso, Monte Morris. I mean, I like Portland in this series. I like. I thought Portland. I think Portland can, can win the series, and if the Suns beat the Lakers, Portland beats the Suns. I mean, Portland can be playing in the Western Conference Finals. And they they are maybe the best guard tandem in the league. So going against a team that's guards is their their downfall. No guards at all. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, this could be a, a quick series here. Um, let's talk a little Memphis and Utah. Um, well, that was it. Was the story about this is Donovan Mitchell as someone who had him on my fantasy team for like the past and lost a, a league I desperately wanted to win because he didn't play the last two months of the season or month of the season really with it he was supposed to be playing in this game and at the last minute he didn't he wanted to play but and the coach wanted to play but this training staff said no even though we shot and said no pain or whatever and they pulled him out and that was an issue and I think that sort of messed them up but Memphis is on a roll and Memphis came in there they were losing beginning of the game and just, just John Morant 26 points Dylan Brooks uh, from Oregon a second round draft pick who is really like a 15 point game is uh, so no one fought, knows anything about Memphis but he scored 31 points and then uh, Bogdanovich uh, for Utah made it close he hit free throw he had uh, 20 points in the fourth quarter but uh, but again, it was just a, a great win by Memphis to go in Utah. Remember Utah? What is Utah's the number one seed? They have the best record in the <laughs> basketball. They're fifty-two and twenty. <laughs> All right, and uh, wrapping this one up, Mavs and Clippers. And you know the Clippers ran um, Doc out of town, and now it's like. Well, who's going to take responsibility if they get bounced here by the Mavericks in the first round? Well, they did not look like they could stop Luka Doncic. They couldn't stop. Dallas didn't play great. I mean, Dallas, Rick Carlisle, their coach said we didn't really shoot well, and they still won, and they won, but they won by ten, and it wasn't that it wasn't that close in terms of a game. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, twenty six points. George, twenty three points. But they they've added all these players: the Mar- the Zubox and Beverly's, and they added Ibaka and Batoon, and they had Rajan Rondo, Reggie Jackson, and they changed coaches with Tyrone Lue and. Just listless performance. I mean, the Clippers and the Lakers looked the same thing. They did. They were playing a team like the Mavericks that were. Now, the one thing to remember is last year, Marquise Morris, I think, had cheap shot after cheap shot against Doncic, and they played in the first round in that series. And uh, in the Mavericks, are second round, and Doncic was 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 beat up. And then they said he was complaining, and the Clippers showed they were. It was just a weird series, and I thought the Clippers were dirty. And I think the Mavericks remembered that. And the Mavericks are playing really, really hard in this at hard, and they played that game. And I don't think the Clippers. Were ready for a fight. I mean, I think they're like, oh, we'll win. We beat them last uh, last year, I think in six. We're going to, this will be easy. We're going to win this. And I think the Mavericks, and Doncic now uh, is playing at the MVP level. Remember, Doncic and Trey Young win that same draft, but uh, but Doncic is playing great. So I, I look, I hope the Mavs beat the Clippers. Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel, 734. We should be tipping off any minute now in this uh, Miami Heat-Milwaukee game. No score yet, though. Um, so let's go to the NHL, Ira. You mentioned earlier you were at uh, game two of, um, of the Playoffs between Tampa Bay and Florida. I wished 
that I, you know, I knew you hadn't been to the BB&T Center. You know, there's a reason. I live here in Palm Beach Gardens where the station is. I can make it from my house to my seat in 50 minutes. It's right off the highway. It's so convenient. And that's why before COVID, I went to tons and tons of Panther games. Didn't matter who they were playing. But I think you were kind of sold on the experience as well. Yeah, we sat. The funny, I'll tell you, just the fun. The stadium is great. Uh, the getting there is as easy as any stadium because there's really usually a lot of these stadiums. They 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 have great way to get in and out. I mean, sometimes these stadiums that are like the my, the American Airlines Arena is downtown Miami. So yeah. you're fighting traffic, normal traffic, all these other things. I mean, literally, we just pulled right in. The only funny thing is. I have to say is my mom came in and she's like an expert at going to these events. She has the clear bag. She knows what she's doing. So she was kind of, I have a bag from the Super Bowl. So this bag was good enough for the Super Bowl, this past year's Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So she brings the, the bag. One foot by one, one foot. One foot, one foot by yeah. one foot. And it's clear and everything. Well, the guy, so we have to pick when you have like five different lines to go to. You're like, who's going to be not going to, because I have binoculars and this <laughs> and that, camera, all the other stuff I carry and everyone's question. So I radio. So I want to go to the easy one. So I picked like the right side to go. And I think this guy seems like he's letting people in. We go there and he goes to my mom because your bag's not good enough. And I'm like, what? It doesn't fit. And they had this cardboard thing. Yeah, they had a little and they, sheet. And she that goes up against it. And I'm like, I don't know about that. And then my mom said, what if I took everything out and just fold up? No, that's not good enough. And I didn't want to leave the bag there. I didn't want to make a big stink, but I didn't want to leave the bag because it's a Super Bowl bag and it had, you know, value in terms of has a Super Bowl and all that other stuff on it. So I literally went and took my mom had to take all her stuff out and put it in her pockets and stuff. And then I went and took the bag back. Well, yeah. I come back and I'm waiting in line and I'm going back to that same line because I think this guy's going to, he saw that I was already through, let me through. Well, then a person had like a Louis Vuitton clutch. It had to be the smallest purse I've ever seen. So she holds the purse up and the guy, same guy was like, it doesn't fit in the thing. I'm like, I think it does. And she goes, I brought this into every event my entire life, da da da. And they still wouldn't let in. And I'm like, I would, if I was your lawyer, I would argue that it does. Like, it did look like, I couldn't believe a bag could be smaller, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't let her in with that. So I'm waiting on, finally, she has to go back. We walk in. This is like a Saturday Night Live skit or whatever, because we're walking in <laughs> another line. This guy, he looked like he was going to Mount Everest. He had a backpack, it was, <laughs> stuff was all out. It was everything, it was huge. It was, 10 times the size mm. of that clutch or 20 times. And then another person, like, we just picked the wrong line. Mom's like, what are they doing? I'm like, I, they just picked the right line. It just shows what happened. Don't, so if you go to that, the BBC center, don't go to the furthest right line because <laughs> that will not let you in. It is the only arena in the world I've been to that, yeah, they're standing there with like a, an eight by 10 sheet of like cardboard <laughs> and then it's got like an eight by eight square and it's like your bag can't be bigger than this. And no bag, every bag is bigger than that. It's <laughs> it's kind of a pain in the butt. Um, you set in the club level though, and I love the club level for for BB and T. The one thing I didn't like about the club level was that it was it was they didn't have all like they decided the last minute Normally to open up great vendors. They they decided to open up all the vendings, yeah. but they weren't there. They weren't ready because they it was like the fans were there, but the but the, the half the vending places were closed, so you did, it was hard to get the food and go around. But it was also if you go there, it is. Free. I mean, I know it's hockey. People are gonna say you're crazy. You know, it is. Cold. I mean, it's not like going to E game. I mean, it was it was very, very, very cold up there. Um, but I love. But I think from a hockey perspective, it's a great way to watch a game because you have to be a little higher to see what's going mm-hmm. on. Like I felt like we from the club level, we could see everything. Yeah, no, no bad seats in that house. Any other comments on on Ryan the Flores of the Dolphins yep. is the biggest uh, uh, Panther fan. He was there with a bunch of Dolphins. He so he gave a pep talk before the game. Um, that music is so loud. Like I thought, there's nothing louder than Miami Heat music. They it's actually louder. It is, and I think it drained out the. <laughs> fans because the fans were back at the game I think that's a mistake the Panthers made I think they played the music too loud there was the stadium was almost full and they just didn't play enough music so I, I thought I mean, they played music too loud didn't
can't let the fans get into the game into those type of things. Um, either way, that that series is now three to one, and it looks like Ira. Well, it doesn't look like it. They're going to start a rookie who started four games. He's never lost. He's four and zero. But Spencer Knight, he's from Boston College, number thirteen overall pick two years ago. He's the future, and they think this kid could be an all-star. He's the third goalie. string goalie. They've they've now bounced between the, their first yeah, and second. Well, they, they, they called him up just a couple of weeks ago because Sergey Bobrovsky got hurt. So he got four spot starts, won all of them, and now he's going to start tonight. And the way I'm looking at it is, what do they have to lose here? And Because Drieger and Bobrovsky haven't been good. You know, the one thing I noticed in the, the game is it seems like Florida does, and I know I should say this because we're in Florida, but it's a lot of cheap shots on Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay's a better skating team, better stick handling team. Yeah. It seems like Florida, what they want to do, and t- they're trying to they're trying to to make Tampa Bay retaliate with these shots, but they're cheap shots. Like I think they're cheap shots. Like I, I like it. I'm glad I'm not like this big Panther fan because I'd be like, we should be really doing that. Like uh, outwork these teams and outshoot them. Don't just go and uh, it's Kucherov. Like they go behind him and hit him behind the knee. They don't need to do that <laughs> stuff. Well, it's funny. Uh, in the first minute of of uh, the last game, Jonathan Huberdeau is skating. He's leaving his shift, going back. Someone from the Tampa bench grabs him, and then Yanni Gord is on the ice and takes a cheap shot at him. <laughs> to get Huberdo to fight him, so they both go down right away. Their best player goes down to a fourth stringer. So it's, it's going back and forth a little bit. Okay. Tonight is um. No, you're right though. Tampa Bay is very talented. They're trying to slow him down. Uh, tonight's going to be the uh, p- potentially final game as it's three to one. They uh, they're going to start off at eight p.m. Um, anything else in the world of hockey? Well, just more that the Islanders and Penguins two two, and Toronto uh, Montreal one one, and Boston. I mean that was one of the series Boston that people one. thought Washington was going to be in there, and they and they were. They, that series is over 4-1 and then the West everyone likes you talked about Connor McDavid Edmonton and they're down 3-0 in the series and Colorado who you've talked about a, while, yeah. a lot 4-0 and Vegas I mean, my friends are at the Vegas Minnesota game 3-1 but what about you You were high on Carolina what about Carolina and Nashville I, I don't know what Nashville is doing I mean their goalie UC Soros stood on his head in the last game I thought Carolina was going to come out of the East, or not the East anymore because of the uh, the way that it's set up by divisions. But I thought Carolina was one of the best teams in the league. I still think they win this series, but I wasn't expecting Nashville to, to play this, this good. So good for the Predators, I guess. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. They're going to uh, they're going to go at it again tomorrow. Um, let's go to baseball here on Iron Sports. And we're, geez, what, a sixth of the way through the season? No, I think we're like a third. Is it a third of the yes. way? Um, you think that we pretty much have the wild cards locked up already. Well, look at the American League. I, the Yankees, we've talked about the Yankees, and now they've won six in a row. They're eight out of the last 10. They're 28 and 19, and their pitching staff, I mean, Kluber uh, won a game 2 and 0. German won 2 0. Montgomery 2 1. They didn't give up a run. Cole was 1 7 nothing, and then they won a game 5 4. I mean, their, their, their starting pitching is now like, where is finally the Yankees have starting pitching? They're really not hitting well, but the point is that they're on a roll. The Red Sox, the 28 and 19, they're for real. I mean, I guess last year was such an aberration. They were so bad. Yeah. And they with COVID and all. I think that's something you have to look at baseball. Was like last year for the numbers, these players just weren't into it. But uh, Xander Bo- Xavier Bogarts is th- hitting 345. I mean, last year, two years ago, he was 33 home runs, 117 RBIs, and I hit a great year. Terrible year last year. Now yeah. he's back playing that year. And Rafael Devers, the third baseman, only 24 years old, has 13 home runs, 39 RBIs. And J.D. Martinez, who they blame in Boston because if they had to, he opted into his contract because he opted in. They couldn't sign Mookie Betts, which <laughs> whatever. And so they're mad at J.D. Martinez. He's the MVP of the league. So he's having this great year. So it's weird. And then Tampa Bay, 
They've now won 11 games in a row. Which they're 29 crazy. to 19. You know what's weird about it? they're 18 and 7 away and only 11 and 12 at home. But they have a great nobody record. likes the trop. Yeah, <laughs> but I, and then with, and the team like the Blue Jays, which everybody was like the sexy little pick is is Blue Jays. Toronto is just they've not fired it. Everyone knew Baltimore was terrible. But I really think between the Yanks, Red Sox, and Tampa Bay, you got the two wild cards. You got the division winner and call it a day. So you mentioned the Yankees pitching for the first time in Yankees history. All five starters went went. In consecutively five innings without allowing a run. Right. So they're they're obviously pitching pretty well. And right now. Kluber has a no hitter, first Yankee no hitter since 1999. Did you see he was co player of the week <laughs> with having a no hitter? Because Spencer Turnbull had a no hitter too. That's where we're at in baseball. Um, talk about the Central for a little bit. Well, because, just yeah, yeah, just really about the Central would be the White Sox are leading the Twins by a game and a half, and you expect the White Sox eventually to run away. The Indian, I mean, the Indi- I mean, White Sox are with Indians by a game and a half because you really expect the Indians just to not be able. I mean, it's a shock. They've been no hit twice this season. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> unbelievable. The Royals at 500 and the Tigers and Twins are awful. I mean, the big thing this week was, and I, I'd like to touch on it for a second, is the White Sox and the Twins, um, the trailing 15 and 4, the Twins put in Williams. A studio, yeah. their first baseman to pitch. He retired the first two batters, and then, then in the uh, for the third batter, your man Mercedes was up for the great. He's hitting three sixty four, one of the best hitters for the White Sox, and the, and uh, Williams threw a forty seven mile per hour pitch, and Mercedes just hit the ball out, hit a home run, which I think is fine, and then. Tony LaRusso. Now, LaRusso, remember, is the manager for Mercedes. <laughs> this is not the Twins manager. It's the, and if the Twins, first of all, the Twins, they should be embarrassed that they're even doing this. He goes, big mistake. There will be consequences that he has to endure within our family, but it won't happen again. For hitting a home run, LaRusso declined to elaborate on what the consequence would, would be, except to say that he would not bench Mercedes or spank him because he's too big and strong. I mean, I like, what, who makes this thing? He added, I heard he said something like, I play my game. No, he doesn't. He plays the game of Major League Baseball. I mean, what? I He's mean, a I, dinosaur, Larusa. I like Larusa. I like it, but the point is, if if you're if the Twins, this is professional baseball. If the Twins are have putting a pitcher in, why not let them swing at a pitch? I don't care if it's three zero. I don't care what it is. Mercedes is he, he uh, is going to be up for arbitration. I mean, I don't. You, it's not basketball where you just dribble out at the end of the game. Like you, they're gonna. Yeah. You, are you telling me he has to make it out? Like what? What's the rules? I, this unwritten rule. They're now saying like there's talks now to put a run rule in. To event like just so that well we don't have to have uh, position players be pitching and have stuff like this happen. So instead of letting a guy hit a home run when someone throws a forty-seven mile hour meatball, you're going to change the rules to allow mercy. Like it just doesn't make well, any sense. How about have a pitcher in the game, pitch the game, finish the games out? I I, I think it was terrible. I mean, is so mad at what Mercedes did was Mercedes was trying to play to win. I think what the Twins were doing was a joke. That's the mockery. The mockery was they they they're down they're down fifteen to four. They have the one of the worst records in baseball. They have they have a team that was supposed to be competitive. I mean, the Twins should be just said, oh no, it's okay. That's fine. Like. What, I, I just I, I have to defend and you know Mercedes on this is ridiculous. Well, let's talk about the West. Just Oakland and the Astros, the winner of that. I mean, we're you know the Rangers, the Mariners, and the Angels are totally out of it. The, the Mariners have been no hit twice. They might be no hit another four or five <laughs> times this year. But it seems like so. That's what I'm saying is the White Sox will probably the Oakland and the or Houston. One of those two will win, and then uh, then two of the you know the three Eastern teams. And remember, baseball's back to the way where there's going to be a wild card, the playing game, just one game. For so you really want to win your, which I like this. 
what I would like about baseball is you want to win your division, not like these other sports, even like the NFL now, which you can just be a wild card. I, there has to be something to win a division and play the regular season. So I enjoy that. Let's talk a little NL because uh, that NL West is strong. Same thing that we talked about the NL East. The Padres, um, the Dodgers, and the Giants. The Padres have won nine in a row. The Dodgers have won seven in a row. They're both nine of the last ten games. To show you how crazy this is, the Padres have a 75-run run differential. The Dodgers 72. The Giants are 47. And the next is like 10 or 12 in the yeah. whole whole league. I mean, they're just they're amazing. I mean, the Dodgers, you know, one thing people forget about the Dodgers, that Kensley Jansen, their closer, who people who love the Dodgers says the worst, worst, he's pitching great. He Remember, he used to be a great closer. He's just been bad for two years, like really bad for two years. That's why he makes so much money a year. But now he's back to, he has a, a 1.31 ERA, back to playing, being Kensley Jansen. If the Dodgers have the closer, they have the starting pitching, they're going to get all their, remember, they're playing with, with their second string team almost. I, you know, this is, the Dodgers have righted the ship, but the Padres are playing great also. I thought the NL East would be the best division in baseball, Ira, and I'm not right so far. You're not right, but it's going to be exciting because the Mets, Phillies, Braves, and Nationals, those five teams all have almost are the same record. They're all like 500 teams. So really, it's that division is totally wide open. What about the Central? And then the Cardinals are 26 and 22 games up over the Cubs. So I think one of those, again, that's one of those things where one of the Cards or Cubs will probably win that division. Let's uh, shift gears here on Iron Sports, talk a little uh, racing. Um, well, the Monaco Grand Prix was this past week. It's probably one of the most famous car races you can imagine. It started in 1929, and it is it goes through the streets of Monaco, and it has this legend of being this great race. It is actually a terrible race to watch because you either get the lead and it's impossible to pass. It's like trying to drive like on a one-lane uh, highway. You yeah, can, nobody luck. passes, and unfortunately, Lewis Hamilton, who is the star driver in the leading the series, he did not have a good uh, you know, pole where they were the track for the pole position. And he finished in sixth place, the wrong, ran with the wrong tires. And he started sixth, and he finished sixth. And the front, uh, Leclerc, who's the uh, Ferrari driver, won the pole. But after he won the pole, he crashed. So that nobody else could challenge him. So he couldn't even start in the race. He actually, his car wasn't ready for the race. So Verstappen, who was behind Hamilton, uh, he, he took the lead, never relinquished it the entire race. And there's no way that Hamilton pulled the tricks about uh, with you know different tires and the fueling, it just didn't work. And it's like, it was really a boring race. It's sort of just like nobody was passing the entire race. And then in uh, NASCAR, uh, Chase Elliott, I didn't hardly watch the Lilith because of the golf and everything else going on, but Chase Elliott, who was the defending champion uh, of the of this, the last year uh, of the whole tour, you know, NASCAR, he won a road course in Austin. Uh, and it was they were hoping for this race. This is called, they put the F1 next year, is going to be on the, this year, going to be at this road course that they built just for Formula One. But it was raining. The drivers were upset. They even just ran the race, half the race. It was not a good situation for NASCAR. And this week at Indy 500. So, so you're excited about that, I'm well, sure. Yeah. Yes, I mean, except that I'm more, as that, I'm, I think I'm more, I've not been watching the, remember, I've been watching more Formula One yeah. and NASCAR and not so much Indy 500. So uh, let's talk about boxing. Well, um, before the pandemic, Tyson Fury and Devontae Wilder fought. It was like one of the last things I went to a sports bar and it was, and Fury knocked out Wilder. And it was ex super exciting. It was a great fight. People were going crazy. And then the pandemic hit. And then I didn't go to a sports bar since then. <laughs> but neither Fury and Wilder have not fought since then. They've sort of taken the entire pandemic off. And Fury was supposed to fight Anthony Joshua in Saudi Arabia for hundreds of millions of dollars because they each have the titles. But Wilder had a rematch 
clause in the contract, and then they went through arbitration and legal and stuff like this. So and now Wilder won, and now in order they have to either pay Wilder like 100 million to not fight, or he has to go fight Fury. So they've now scheduled the fight in July uh, with Fury getting the purse 60-40. And the first fight was a draw. The second fight, Wilder got knocked out, and uh, that was the first time that before the first fight was the first time Wilder didn't knock out opponents. He was undefeated and knocked every one of his opponents out. So this is, and he's from uh, he's from uh, Georgia, I think, or Mississippi. Alabama, I'm sorry, he's from Alabama and Fury is from England. But uh, no, this will be a great fight in July, in Vegas, full house. And I, I thought that made sense because Joshua and Fury are both in, in, from England and they should fight th- in front of 200,000 people in Wembley Stadium, not fighting in Saudi Arabia. Like that's a fight yeah. that should be. So I was thinking this sort of works out perfectly. Joshua will take a fight and then the winner, then hopefully whatever, job for Joshua and Fury, they'd fight in Wembley. And then Manny Pacquiao and Earl Spence are going to fight in August. Uh, Pacquiao, as you know, with the Mayweather, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Earl Spence is considered maybe the second or third best pound per pound at the 147 pound division. So they'll fight now August 21st. So not a lot of good big boxing matches coming up, but scheduling it for July and August. The uh, Belmont Stakes is two weeks away and it looks like we're going to see a lot of the horses that we ran there, some of the favorites for the Kentucky Derby running again. Yeah, I might be at that. I'm going to go to New York. Uh, Essential Quality was fourth in the Derby, was the favorites going to end. Hot Rod Charlie was third in the Derby and Ron Bauer who won the Preakness. But we're not going to see Medina Spirit, <laughs> the yeah. winner. And and, and also Medallion, who then, if remember, we haven't, we don't really have a decision in the Kentucky Derby. The the person, the horse that won, is not going to run in this. And Medallion, Medallion, who was finished Mandolin, second, yeah, yeah. Mandolin, uh, will is not running in this race either. So. Which is bizarre. I, I don't know why they didn't have Mandolin go. And now let's talk a little tennis before we go to Kenzie Maloney. Well. The French Open is this week is starting this week, and this is going to be the whole Nadal Djokovic battle to see. You know, twenty eighteen eighteen. I'm excited for this. I really think that the person when you the draw comes out to look at is Titsipas. He's won in, he just won in Lyon. He won Monte Carlo. He lost to Barcelona in the finals. I think he's the only person that could challenge Djokovic and Nadal. And the question is, who has to play Titsipas first? Is he going to play in the Nadal half of the draw or the Djokovic half of the draw? And that's really, I think, the most important thing to see for that. Let's uh, go to Kenzie Maloney here. It's Iron Sports. This is Iron Sports on 959 106.9 West Palm Beach. Uh, we have Kenzie Maloney on the line. Kenzie is one of the top volleyball players in the country over the last four years. She won two national championships at the University of Nebraska. She was all Big Ten. She was the NCAA championship all tournament team. She was an All American. Uh, thanks a lot, Kenzie, for coming on Iron Sports. Absolutely. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, again, congratulations on such a year, uh, such a great career at Nebraska in volleyball as one of the top volleyball players in, in the country. Uh, and I saw also in high school, you were one of the top recruits in the country, too, at Assumption in Louisville. So uh, I'm sure you're used to Churchill yeah. Downs and living in Louisville. What a great place for that is. Yes, absolutely. Miss Kentucky, for sure, especially in the cold Nebraska winters. So we're, I brought you on because there's been this big debate about this thing called name, image, and likeness. And a lot of people don't even understand what that even, you bring up the name, the thing, name, image, and likeness, even though I know mm-hmm. a kid said, well, I, can't, I used to play NCAA football on, my, on one of his gaming things, but I can't do that anymore. Does that have something to do with that? Which it, and it does, because it's a way in terms of thinking about how we're going to pay athletes in the future, collegiate athletes. So I guess one of the first questions is, when you get a scholarship to the University of Nebraska to play volleyball, what does that scholarship entail? Like, what's included in the, quote, the scholarship? Yeah, so basically what it is is it's just a stipend, and it's a monthly stipend that you get at the end of every month. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the, like, what that stipend is supposed to cover is 
housing, groceries, gas, um, basically just all of your basic needs and necessities. Um, and then if you have any leftover, you can use that money for whatever you want. Right. And that goes, that's a, in addition to, you don't have to pay anything to go to school. You get your, your education free, plus you get that, that stipend that gets paid once a month, right? Yes. Yep. You got it. So, and then, but you know, about being an athlete at Nebraska and you're in a top athlete like that, the time commitment, I mean, people don't think realize that it's not like you just go and play, like they think it's like in high school, you just, you know, go play volleyball, go to practice. I mean, just talk a little about the total time commitment. You're there four years and you're playing in the national championship teams, traveling all around the country. What is that total time commitment in season, out of season? Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely an adjustment for me coming from high school into college because of time commitment specifically. I didn't understand how much, you know, how many hours we were going to spend in the gym and watching film and doing like extracurricular activities for volleyball. Um, so basically you wake up, you go to weights, um, you go to class right after class, you go straight to the gym for practice. We ate dinner as a team every night at our training table. And then after training table, it's about seven thirty, eight o'clock and you go home and do homework and wake up and do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's in season. Then what about out, I mean, even out of season? You would do stuff like that, right? Yeah, actually, out of season, we um, we played sand volleyball. So it was kind of similar um, with practice and weights and, you know, watching film and all that stuff. And even like towards the end of end season, when we were in NCAA tournaments and stuff, we would have girls taking their finals in the hotel um, at the tournament. So it's it was a hard balance with and volleyball but we had a lot of people to help us stay on track um definitely want to give them credit but it was craziness at times wait there's no beaches in nebraska though so you still played sand volleyball (laughs) (laughs) yes we had an indoor sand court and then we would actually travel to hawaii and california and arizona to plan some tournaments Wow. So then, so you go to Nebraska and you're, you're playing, you're, you're a superstar there. And you notice that I, I was reading your bio and it said that initially you weren't really that big on social media you at anything, but suddenly you noticed that you became, you were starting to become more popular on social media. Right. Yeah. I, I never really got into like Instagram or any of that stuff, even when I was at Nebraska. Um, and I really like discovered that I, I like it and I like using it and it's become a huge platform for me because of you know how crazy the fans are here, but also just because of like the influence that I have over people in the volleyball world. So in, in, I was reading where it's like, you know, after a few matches you would win and then suddenly you would get like, you know, another like a thousand different followers or, fi- you know, mm-hmm. something like that. And that just grew with it. And, but there's other Nebraska players that were, I mean, Nebraska is the most followed, I think, team outside like basketball or football in the country, the Nebraska girls vo- women's volleyball team. Yes. Yep. I, I think I remember um, someone telling me that and it I don't know, it just never used to be like that, I feel like. And then all of a sudden it just kind of blew up. And especially my senior year, that's when everyone started to be really um, into Instagram and posting more and engaging more with followers and stuff like that. But, of course, now do, they, do your coaches have to talk to you about the compliance officers because even though now you're becoming popular, you had an opportunity to get, like, say from an, a company, like, say, Lululemon, just an example, that they yep. could say, oh, I'm going to give you free Lululemon if you put a mention on our site, you know, just as they do with any influencer on any social media. But, but you technically are not allowed to take anything by doing that because you're a college athlete, correct? Correct, yeah. So it was kind of hard um, 
you know, I think what we did was really just avoid any questions like that, like any DM that we would get about any potential influencer, kind of just like ignore it because you don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but, you know, if they change the rules, and that's one thing they're talking about in terms of how they're going to compensate athletes. And the first way is this name, image, and likeness, which is, I mean, I, I think back to the years before you, you know, there's a player called Indiana went to Steve, called Steve Alford. And he once uh, posed for a uh, um, calendar for a charitable organization, just this charity. And he got suspended for two games, even though he didn't get any money for yeah. it or nothing. So the point, <laughs> which is crazy. But if that would, you know, if you could really monetize the fact that you have 50,000 followers, that could be something that could actually give you while you're in college some extra money and, you know, benefits to you. Not so people think this is just helping like the Trevor Lawrence's of the world, but it actually would help the uh, Kenzie Maloney's of the world in terms of get through school. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I think even more so than just money, it's just it helps athletes find new skills and find, you know, new hobbies and develop new skills and all of this stuff. So I think it's more so than just money. It's just an opportunity for people to learn more about themselves um, because all they've known is just their sport for, you know, the last four or eight years. Yeah. So, finding new things that they like is really beneficial too. And it must be frustrating because here you are representing Nebraska, getting these followers. But if somebody was just a gamer, that, that's all they did. They didn't, they weren't part of, they were just a gamer and they went to the University of Nebraska. They could be getting paid like $100,000 or even more just because, you know, just in Nebraska because they're not on the quote Nebraska gaming team. But there was a gaming team there. Right. And you were restricted by like, oh, don't, you know, don't take this. Don't get free, you know, outfits or anything like that. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Wow. So that'd be good. Now, do you reach out to now that you've left Nebraska for a couple of years, are you been talking to any of the, of the players that are, you know, the current players of the team, do they have Instagram followers that still are strong? I mean, is this something that they've been talking about this name, image, and likeness and, and what could happen? Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually keep up with Lexi son and Lauren Stiverns. They're both seniors this year. And when I was talking to them about it, they were just so excited um, mostly because of what you were talking about with the money opportunity. And, you know, that now they can get paid for when people reach out to them because they do have a huge following on Instagram. So I'm sure people are reaching out to them constantly and they can actually take advantage of that now. That's great. That's great. Well, I mean, that's, that is, I think when people talk about this again, it's, they, they keep thinking it's going to be the star Alabama player, the star Clemson is where, where right. you know, t- you know, we saw this weekend, but it's really these other athletes and all in different sports. I mean, it could be fencers. It could be volleyball players. It could be swimmers. It could be all different types of sports and, you know, things that you don't think would have that opportunity, you know, they go to the mm-hmm. NFL, the NBA, those things. Yep, definitely. It affects everyone in my opinion. Now, in terms of now, and just one other question in terms of we're talking to Kenzie Maloney on Iron Sports 95.9, 106.9. Like, what are the opportunities now that you graduated from Nebraska? What is the opportunities in volleyball? Like, where do you go there from there? You know, you're, you know, after you graduate, it's not like, is there a vol- professional volleyball circuit? Is there, what, what opportunities are there just if you wanted to stay in volleyball? Yeah, you can, you can definitely go to professional leagues. Um, we don't have one here in the U.S., although I think they're working on it. Um, but I know a lot of times people go overseas and play for a couple years. If they like it, they stick with it. They can, you know, hop to a different team. Um, coaching is a huge thing that a lot of people go into if they don't really want to play, but they still want to be in the volleyball world. And then I kind of am like in the lessons world. So I train, I give like 
private lessons to younger athletes who are wanting to get scholarships and stuff like that. So there's a lot of ways that you can stay in the mix with volleyball. Yeah, I've been noticing a lot now with the, we're in the, this virtual world. A lot of my friends that do coaching, they're now able to coach virtually. You know, they used to only been able to coach in the people in their area. They're not going to travel around the country. But I know some people mm-hmm. that are, uh, prof- you know, kickers and stuff like that for, for field goal kickers and place kickers for football are doing that. Mm-hmm. So what's the best way if someone just wants to follow you on Instagram or to connect you if they want to get some lessons or what's the best way to get to, to uh, follow you? Yeah, definitely my Instagram. Um my handle is Kinsey Maloney one send me a direct message. I'm actually going to try to do like an Instagram TV series for people who, you know, can't afford lessons with everything that's going on right now. So just try to do like some virtual online stuff where people can tune in and watch and get into a gym by themselves and work on some things. That's great. Well, I really appreciate it. Kenzie, thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports. Um, and best of luck with all your endeavors. And, and hopefully we'll see, you know, how this name, image, and likeness, and, and, and you know, unfortunately you when you were a student weren't able to take advantage of it, but maybe the, the women following you can uh, can make some money off of this. And, and clearly I think it's right. I mean, it's your likeness, it's your name. And, and I said there's no reason why you shouldn't yep. make money where any, any other college uh, person who goes to college, whether they play an instrument or whatever, they can make money, but, but the athletes somehow can't. Yes, I completely agree. And I just missed the cutoff, but that's okay. I'm happy for my ex-teammates, and I think it's going to be a really great thing. Thanks a lot, Kenzie, for coming on iRun Sports. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good stuff there from Kenzie Maloney here on iRun Sports. Not the best start here for the Miami Heat. Uh, down 19-7. to That was just 19-4 to a minute ago. Ira, you're shaking your head. It's a disaster. I mean, it's 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 to go down 2-0 uh, is something that they don't want to do. But it's early in the game, and I can't wait to go, you know, see what's going to happen. But it's, uh, it's I just I think the Bucks they again they played last year and they they know the Heat. These teams know each other, and it's like one of those things where I just wanted to say like they're at, take one of these games, maybe one one, be down 2-0, a lot of pressure. Yeah. Before we wrap this up, so and a picture was circulating the internet yesterday of Julio Jones in Dallas, wearing a cowboy shirt. And everyone's like, what's going on here? Comes out today and makes it public and asks his future with the Falcons, I'm out of there. What do you think about this? Well, it was interesting. Julio Jones is a star wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, which when they kept Matt Ryan, that people didn't think that they were now supposedly they're offering Julio Jones for a first round pick. Um, I still don't know if they're going to trade him. Uh, I don't that, think they want. I, to. I don't think they want to because they would have. They if they were going to do a total rebuild, why would you keep Matt Ryan and and now they have this great offensive? Like I think it makes no sense to trade him. I think this, but but it was weird how they found out is Shannon Sharp on one of the shows called him up and he didn't know he was live and he said <laughs> I'm out of there, but but. But he didn't realize he was, he goes, and someone jumped in and goes, Julio, do you know you're alive? And he goes, like, what? I, he, so, you know, it's, it's weird that Shannon did that, where you call somebody up. He was, like, talking like that. You could see they were talking sort of nonchalantly. And then it ended up, he said, I'm out of here. I'm not involved. I don't want to be gone and this thing. And then the the rumor is <laughs> he's going to, he wants to play in New England for Cam Newton. And I'm sure the New England Patriot fans are, yeah, bring Julio Jones here. And as someone who plays fantasy, though, everyone knows does not stay healthy anymore. I mean, no. He's not the player. Calvin Ridley is the star. People look at the uh, Falcons and they think, oh, he's the star, but it's really Calvin Ridley. And, the, the, and those now guys, Gay, um, 
uh, what's his name? Pitts. You know what I mean? Kyle Pitts from the uh, from he's going to take eight Gators. targets a game, right? So. And I think that's the one thing is that everyone Julio gets drafted in the first round of the of almost every fantasy draft, and then he only plays like 10, 12 games. But it was an interesting story, and it's like one of those. Look, this is a very dead period now in uh, in the NFL in terms of what's happening. And only if, if uh, Aaron Rodgers would have showed up at the OTAs, but these players <laughs> didn't even go to uh, their optional training anyway, so he doesn't even show up to those things anyway. Yeah. What are you doing this week? What? Well, I'm going to New York, so hopefully we'll see if I can get we'll get some basketball in somewhere. So I'd like to see either the Nets, the Knicks. Um, we'll we'll try to get something. Like Go that be the in. Knicks' good luck charm for me. <laughs> no, I root against the Knicks. I root against them. We are out of time. I want to thank Kenzie Maloney so much. He's Ira. I'm Mike, let's talk next Monday night. Iron Sports.